tonight, we're going to have Julie Betancourt come up and give her testimony. All right. Okay, so I'm not much a public speaker, so I'm just going to read what I wrote. This is my testimony of how God's been working in my life recently. Um, Some background information about me is uh, I grew up in an upscale city in the East Bay area called Walnut Creek, (laughs) where most of my immediate and extended family lives. All 35 of us believe and proclaim to follow Christ. There are no alcoholics, no teen pregnancies, no one does drugs, no divorces, and everyone prays before they eat dinner. Uh, I attended a covenant church called Hillside from the day I was born until I left for college. And it's a great church. There's thriving ministries, moving sermons, strong outreach programs, great missions trips for all ages. I was very involved in the youth ministry and sang in the youth band. I had it all figured out. Obey your parents, do well in school, try hard in sports, go to church, go on mission trips, go to heaven. (laughs) I hate to say it, but life was a piece of cake until I came to this church. (laughs) I have been attending Epic Life for three and a half years, and I love it. This is my church home, and this is my church family. But it wasn't always roses for me. I remember when I first started to attend, right off the bat, my heart was in the wrong place. I knew it was a big church. It's not like my church back home. I was pretty much ready to move on to the next church when something smaller or better came around. But I met a guy here who really wanted to to attend, so I stuck around. (laughs) Um, During the first year, I witnessed a lot of uncomfortable things for me that challenged my perspective of God. I can still remember one time when I went to the old Bible study offered here called Brigade. We had an opportunity to get in pairs and pray for each other. I've done this plenty of times, I'll find someone I don't know and make a new friend. So little did I know, the person I picked was very in tune with the Holy Spirit. And during our prayer time, she spoke in tongues and prophesied a vision over me. I was uncomfortable. (laughs) I had never experienced any speaking in tongues before in my life and the vision she spoke over me had no relevance that I knew of. The walls that I was unaware of around my heart grew taller that day. This was just the first experience of many uncomfortable experiences for me. I found myself very distracted here. Distracted with the way people worship, whether it be dancing with their hands raised high or lying on the ground. Uh, Distracted with the way people shake when they experience God. (laughs) distracted with the murmuring of tongues all around me during a prayer, distracted with my own thoughts of unbelief when someone prays for supernatural healing. In fact, the word supernatural was uncomfortable for me, and soon after, even the words Holy Spirit became uncomfortable for me. During the first two years of attending Epic Life and Brigade, I made a beeline for the door the second it was over, Sometimes I would cry when I got to my car. Half the time, it was hard for me to even decide if I wanted to come. 
But, um, and I probably would have stopped altogether if, it wa if I wasn't dating Dale at the time. So thank you. <laughs> um, I was so uncomfortable mostly because I felt like I was the only one uncomfortable with it. Um, I felt like an outsider, a misfit. Everyone around me seemed so accepting of all these supernatural things they were seeing and reading about. I was very challenged. I couldn't speak in tongues. Am I really a Christian? Why can't I speak in tongues? How come my church back home doesn't speak in tongues? Are they really believers? I know the road to heaven is narrow, but how narrow are we talking? <laughs> is speaking in tongues a way to guarantee you're on that road? Is getting baptized in the Holy Spirit better than getting baptized in water? I have never physically healed someone that I know of. Does God not find favor in me or want to use me? What am I doing wrong? Why do people shake? I don't shake. <laughs> how much of it is real and how much of it is fake? Why does it feel like everyone has to have a spiritual father? Why do they do that? Isn't God the only father they should need? Why don't I see evidence of God in my life like others see in their lives? Why doesn't he use me for prophecy? What if these prophecies are just words from men and not God, and we all believe it as truth and it's not true? Why doesn't my old church or my family talk about the supernatural often like this church does? Why am I so uncomfortable around it? Why is Dale so accepting of it all? He grew up Catholic and it doesn't even phase him. <laughs> Why is it all about the Holy Spirit and we barely talk about Jesus? And what is with these scavenger hunts? <laughs> praying to God for some sign or something and then finding it and praying for that person, there is no way I'm going on one of those. Dale, why don't we just go to a church that's less distracting? This church seems to be pushing me further from God. I need to find a comfortable church that I'm not distracted at. Why does Dale want to keep going to Capitol? Let's find a new church. I listen to that now and I can see how much I let Satan manipulate my thoughts. At the time, I had no idea. What I did know is I had to find all the answers. So I started seeking everyone I trusted. I talked to my mom, my dad, I talked to my old pastor, a few friends, my cousins, Dale. I even searched the internet to see what it had to say. What I didn't do very much of is read the Bible and ask God for discernment and revelation. And I didn't seek out the leadership here either. I was so embarrassed to admit that I had been going to church my whole life and still didn't really know who my God was. Today I stand before you a changed person because now, I ha not because I have all the answers now, but because the way I got them was by pursuing a true relationship with my Heavenly Father. Once I started realizing how amazing and unpredictable my father was, the more I realized I couldn't expect him to stay in the comfort zone. I couldn't expect to know all the answers. In fact, finding answers fell to the wayside when I realized my sole purpose was to discover who my God was. I discovered that he loves me no matter what I can and can't do. 
I discovered that he seeks me and speaks to me when I am listening and actively pursuing him. I discovered that we are not in the era of Jesus anymore. He has come and gone, but he has left something greater for us. In John 14, Jesus says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of all that I have said to you. I discovered that the spiritual gifts he has already given me and I govern those in my life. I discovered that it's okay to be different because if we were all the same, God couldn't prove his infinite creativity and diversity when making us in his image. I discovered that it's okay to question. I discovered that it's okay to ask God for things. I discovered that it's okay to expect things from God because he has promised them to us. I discovered that I can discern what a lie is and how to not let it become my truth. That's a big one. <laughs> that was a big one for me. Um, and I discovered that I have the ability to empower God in my life with every thought, action, or belief I come into agreement with. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 says that the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Today, I realize that the supernatural may always feel a little uncomfortable for me because it's not of this world and cannot be defined by this world. But I am so grateful for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I could go back to living life without his spirit inside of me, guiding me, teaching me, rebuking, and correcting me. There's a moment in the Bible where God isn't just the God of Abraham and Isaac. He becomes the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Today, he has become the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Julie. Thank you. Wasn't that a great testimony? So if this is your first time here, we have a very diverse plethora of testimonies. And we just encourage you to keep coming back because God's changing all of our lives here. And you'll hear one story after another. Thank you, Julie. So Eric's going to come up and talk to us tonight and preach and give us revelation. So let's pray. God, thanks for Eric. For the oh. I'm one of the ones who shakes, okay? <laughs> so if you're distracted, ignore it. <laughs> We're very serious when we pray here. <laughs> God, thanks for Eric, for the gift that he is, for the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just look to you tonight because it's not our intelligence, it's not intellect, it truly is the Spirit of God that speaks to every person in an individual, unique way to shape us into who you desire for us to be. Thank you for all the destinies that are in the room tonight. That's right. And for all the powerful things you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Uh, I love being here. Thank you. 
Last week was kind of a rough week for me. Not a very emotional guy, but I uh, apparently made quite the mark because we have all the paper towels I could ever want if uh, I get emotional again, which <laughs> remind me to like slap somebody who ever put that there. <laughs> no. The only thing would be different and maybe better is if they could like hang it from the ceiling so if I get emotional, like it just kind of like drops down, you know? That'd be perfect. Well, uh, tonight we, we kind of conclude the fifth role of our uh, kind of world changer, church equipper, body empower. I mean, we have like a thousand names for this series, but essentially uh, finding what is our place in this, in this world for God. Finding how we're individually unique and positioned to impact the world, to impact others. And, and so we've spent the past five weeks, and tonight we talk about the final role. And then next week, if you're like, man, I don't have a clue what on earth like my gifting is. I don't have a clue what my role is. I don't know what strength I have. I don't know any of that stuff. I'm right now, because you guys know I build software, and uh, Coleman got a little sneak peek of this. I'm building a software program to help you identify it. So if I totally blow this teaching, there'll be a piece of software to help you guys next week. <laughs> So, uh, uh, so next week, we're going to tie all this together and say, okay, how does the apostle who's the dream awakener, how does that relate to the prophet who's the heart revealer and all these different roles? Like, how does this look together? Because we really haven't covered that a whole lot. And so we're going to cover that. We're going to talk about it. And then also, um, we'll have our little uh, app available. You can pull on your phone and, and we can do it right here. We'll do it all together. And then we'll just kind of see, like, man, take a survey of what we got. Does that, does that sound cool? So don't miss next week. And um, it'll be really cool, and uh, hopefully the app works, but it's looking good so far. So let's pray just one more time. Father, Lord, we just thank you for this evening. Jesus, I pray right now that every word that proceed from my mouth, God, would be from your throne, from your heart. Lord, we don't want to hear from any clever wisdom of man or anything from me. Jesus, we're here to hear from you. We just surrender this night to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're first checking this out or if you just kind of joined us, uh, I want to read the scripture in context. I'm sorry for so many of you guys who've heard the same passage week in, week out. You forgive me, right? All right, it's Ephesians chapter 4, and it sets the whole context. This is the most, if there's one scripture in the Bible talking about how you are important, how you are meant for greatness, how you have been meant not to be a pew potato, it's this one. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, and I've even abbreviated for you guys and 14 and 16, and it says this, says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. And as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, the whole body, that's the key, we're all one body, from the whole body being fitted together, held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part which causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Essentially, Paul doesn't leave any stone unturned. He says, we are the body. Every single aspect is used for the joining together for the building up of the body. We build each other up. Oftentimes I'll say how this, uh, this pyramid picture of the church that sometimes it just, we think of like there's a senior pastor and then everybody kind of flows down. I really think that the, the model that Jesus placed for us for church, this thing where believers come together is an upside down pyramid. And you come into it and you're on your journey up that we minister together. 
And that we, we need to know that these roles intertwine, that, that just because someone gives a sermon doesn't mean that they're gifted in every area. Just because someone gives a good uh, uh, teaching or maybe someone does like an evangelistic outreach, it doesn't mean that it all stops and ends with them. It, it involves all of us. Why? It's because Jesus is in every single one of us. And he played the roles, he took on the roles in one person, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, teacher, the evangelist, all of those. And so as Jesus is in us, those are coming out. And some of us have a calling for some of those roles to be active in this group. And so the whole point of this is like, will the real apostle please stand up? Right? I think I just made an MNN reference. Sorry about that. For shame. <laughs> You know, but and like, will the evangelists stand up? Like, if, if I don't know where the evangelists are, what am I doing shepherding this flock? If I don't know the people that have been gifted by God to reveal the heart of God to man, if I'm not getting out of the way for that person, what am I doing? If I'm not yielding the microphone to somebody who has a revelation from God from the word that is going to unlock potential for us to give us light of the scriptures, what am I doing holding the microphone? I tell you, I, I honestly want every single one of us to know what are we destined for because, you know, this is, we're a whole bunch of 20-somethings, college, young adult, that whole, we're going to like move on to areas. Like, we won't be here all together forever, but I believe that many of us are going to go change the places we go to. And when you arrive there, you better be like, I already got my job training, I'm ready. Amen? All right. So these words, uh, there's a guy that I got to owe credit to for all these words. So instead of like the apostle, he's like, ah, it's not the apostle, it's, it's the dream awakener. It's not the prophet, it's the heart revealer. It's not the evangelist, it's the storyteller. It's not the pastor, it's the soul healer. And these terms, for whatever reason, when I look at them that way, it just unlocks just so much for me. And tonight's the teacher who is the light giver. And light givers, they shed light on the scripture. They shed light on truth so that we can become transformed by the truth. We're not here to just simply receive and not be affected. You know, it has like an inlet, you know, like there's, there's a body of water that, that has only inflow and has no outflow. And you know what it's called? The Dead Sea. Nothing can survive in there. It has a natural outflowing. So as we come and we receive the truth, there has to be an outflow. We have to have a transformation. We have to be affected by it. So how do we know if, if there's light givers among us? Or maybe you're a light giver that's in the making, you're a teacher in the making. And I have a, a few things here, and the first thing is this, is light givers don't give knowledge, they give understanding. Light givers, they don't preach sermons, they don't give messages, they don't give handouts, they don't write books. Light givers, they give understanding. Understanding is the goal the goal is not to consume. The goal is to understand. In high school, my goal was to consume, pass a test, and purge. Like, I was like, just get me out. But the goal with Jesus is to be transformed by the understanding. Man, if we could just simply get our, our mind around that the living God is in us all the time. And we, we just never read anything else in the Bible. We'd be the best Christians ever. Right? But so many times, like, we, we wander from what God has made so plainly clear, and we're like, I just got to read more, I got to read more, I got to read more. I got to do more religious activities, and I, I believe Jesus is saying, the light giver says, please understand, don't read, don't consume, understand. And Jesus would encounter people all the time. They could, they could recite the entire books of the Bible. You have, like, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all, like, these really, like, 
Assis people, you know, like that are really, really powerful. And, and they could recite every scripture. They could do everything. And they were the dumbest people there. They, they couldn't get it. You know, Jesus is always like rebuking them. And he's, he's dumbing it down in parables. It's almost like he pulls out some crayons. like, let me draw you a picture here, right? And he has these guys that, you know, like the, 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 they're fishing. Well, they're, they're fishing. They're not catching fish. A fun fact in the Bible. You never see the disciples catching any fish unless Jesus is there with them. Funny thing. So they weren't even that good of fishermen, right? And here, like, these guys get it. And they ask, why on earth do you speak in parables? You know, wouldn't it be so much better to speak in fancy language and impress people? And he said that people are seeing, but they do not see. Though they're hearing, they are not hearing or understanding. And the light giver's responsibility is to help people not check a religious box at the expense of understanding. I, when, I, when I first kind of took hold of kind of this role, whatever this is, um, and nothing, like, don't, don't misunderstand me. Like, I'm, I'm comfortable in my strengths. I'm comfortable in my own skin. But I was a lousy teacher. I was an awful teacher. In fact, you can't find any of my first messages because I think I wrote them to a CD and then burned them. I was like, I'm so horrified by them. Why? It's because my heart wasn't to be a good teacher. My heart was to be funny. I spent my entire time, I'd write my jokes in my notes and I'd look up and no one's laughing. It is the worst feeling ever, ever. That's probably why Julie's like, this is the worst place ever. I'm never coming back. No. But my heart was totally in the wrong spot. I didn't care if someone's life was really transformed. I mean, I, I wait, hold on. No, I, I did, right? But you, you have this temptation like, man, if you're going to say something, you want people to like you. You want people to be engaged, like, and being up here, like, you get to see everybody, and when you see someone, like, you know, doing this, you know, oh, it's the worst ever. And so it's like, oh, I got to be more funny. I got to, like, clang out symbols. I got to, you know, gimmicks, right? And I was a lousy, lousy teacher because my heart wasn't to give understanding. My heart was to entertain. I realized that Galatians 1.9 says, if you are trying to please men, read, come up with messages to make people laugh, giggle, and not fall asleep, you are not a servant of Christ. That as long as I stand in front of you guys and I'm trying to please you, I'm trying to get laughter out of you, then I ought to be a servant of Christ. And there's people like Eugene who he gets up here and you'd think that you're in like a comedy show. I'm so stinking jealous of how funny he is just, just by the nature, but he teaches the scriptures in his own skin. And so light givers, what they do is they help us like reach understanding. And I have a, a guy in my life and um, his name is Dwight. I've, I've talked to him a, a couple times. And I, I, I like lamented to him like this frustration. And it's like, Dwight, I'm like, I'm like reading all the time. I'm reading more. You know, when, when something's not going well and you want it to go well, like you try extra hard. I was like oversaved. I'm like trying to do everything. And he's like, you've got to slow it down. He's like, you're reading all these things and you cannot recite. If, if you read the Bible in the morning and you close it and 30 minutes later you brush your teeth, they're like, I have no idea what I just read. You failed. <laughs> you fa it would be far better to open the Bible and have it say, Jesus wept, the shortest verse in all the Bible, which was one of the, my memory verses in Bible school as a kid. I was so proud of myself. I thought I was so clever. And you just read that just Jesus wept, one verse. And you dwell on that. What does it mean that Jesus wept? Man, it means that Jesus, being fully man and fully God, he understands our pain. He is affected. He can identify with my pain. He's been there. 
And you just, you, you hold on to that and you just, you live your day from a position of knowing that Jesus understands. You will do so much more for your spiritual walk than any amount of volumes, any great Proverbs, anything you read. You, you need to focus in on understanding. The light giver requires us that we're all light givers in the making. Not everybody has a microphone, that's fine. But we all are called to understand. We're all called to be light givers too at some capacity. Some more than others, and that's fine. But it, it's coming into those little bites and in knowing that those points of understanding that we become light in situations. We become the word. And you know, it's funny that there's nothing in the world that God has not made a statement on or mentioned in the Bible. God addresses everything. When we have understanding of what God's heart is, what he says, we know that he's addressed everything. I'll get some crazy questions about what you can and can't do, where you can and can't touch, what you can and can't push in uh, relationships and dating. Really awkward. They're like, well, it doesn't say you can't, you know? <laughs> and a limited understanding of God, just because he doesn't say it explicitly, because we're inventing sin, aren't we, right? I mean, we're like, we're manufacturing, we're coming out all sorts of ways. I remember the Aswan retreat last year, there's a big sign, no double blob. And I'm like, guys, we can triple blob, let's go, you know? <laughs> And I'll sometimes have the points like, well, if you didn't say no, like you're kind of saying yes, you know? <laughs> and so I'm like, they didn't bound quad blobbing. And we launched this woman like five stories. It was incredible. And we got in trouble, which was awesome. Totally worth it. Okay at, on the blob. Okay, it's like, it's okay there. But, but with God, let us not mock God. God's like, you, you come really? You know, he's like, I think God kind of has a, a, a funny time like looking at how clever we get with how we want to squirm around it. But understanding of God's heart and the Bible and the word, it releases us because God does have an opinion on everything. And if there's an area you, you have, we need to come and talk and you need to find people that have understanding and help give it. Number two, as light givers receive authority and revelation from God alone. Light givers receive authority and revelation from God alone. Teaching is not a vocation. It is a mandate from our heart and soul. Teaching is not a vocation. I mean, it, it can be this day and age, but what we're here for, what we're destined for, what we're purposed for, teaching and those who teach is not a vocation. It's a demand from your heart and soul for what God encounters in you. And we, when we encounter the revelation of God, I don't care who you are, I don't care if this is your first night, if tomorrow you encounter this radical revelation of God, if the scriptures are unlocked before you, there is a, a mandate on your soul that you share with the body. You know why? Because somebody else was right there 10 seconds before you had that revelation that needs that revelation. Sometimes we can be so selfish and like, wow, I got an awesome understanding of this passage, this difficult passage, and then we do nothing. There's a such thing as false humility. We're like, well, I shouldn't, you know, reach. I'm saying, if we're all hearing from God, man, there should be a lot more people talking, amen? And so we need to be in and sharing it. But sometimes, sometimes the biggest lie we believe is that, well, I don't have the credential. I don't have that big sheet of paper and like the frame. I don't have my, you know, eight years of training. I don't have this. I don't have this. Where do the apostles go to Bible school? Like the Camel Institute? I mean, there really wasn't any. Like they were writing the New Testament. Like they didn't have anything, right? Right? 
And don't, don't misunderstand me. I am all for people who pursue seminary, pursue Bible uh, school and training. I'm, I'm all for that, 100%. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just talking to the rest of the people who the gift of teaching is in them, and they won't sign themselves up. They won't move forward because they think that they're excluded. The authority does not come from a piece of paper, from a university, from a professor, anything. Because the, the, the authority that God gives us to understand and to share is all the authority that we need. And certainly we need to know that, that God is raising up a lot of us in here to be a lot more vocal about what he's saying. That he's not just giving one person in this room revelation. He's not giving one person instruction. Our leadership team keeps on growing wise because we're seeing all these giftings. We're like, man, we want to share and collaborate. We want to like, have this be a family where we all learn from each other. Nobody pretends to have it all together. First John, and, and, and when I believe that lie, because I don't, I don't have a single Bible training degree, credential, anything. And, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, again, not credit, discredit anybody who does. I'm not saying I'm a great teacher either, but I'm saying that I know, like, man, God can work around that, that vocation. God can work around that diploma. God can work around that, that training. Certainly he can. And this is where I found it. In that, that moment, because I almost quit here. I was so lousy of a teacher. I, I've, I've like wrestled with quitting so many times. Like, well, I just need to go to sign me up for Bible expert training school-ish. You know, like anything. And I read this passage. This is 1 John 2.27. You, I, I could have swore that God put my name in the scripture. You do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And what God says if, to me is like, you're, you're focusing too much on trying to be clever, on trying to be funny. If you remain in me, you'll have all the material you want to speak about. Because you're not going to be speaking about facts and knowledge. You're going to be speaking about my heart and my understanding. You don't study to teach, but because you study, you must preach. It's not, you, you don't prepare to talk. You talk because you've received. Are you with me? Charles Spurgeon says this, he says, he who presides over a system which aims at nothing higher than formalism, meaning people who come up and they have like a little cookie cutter template, it's, there's not a whole lot to it, it's, it's more about the formality of the, the, the group here, there's a lot of pressure to maintain, like we have to have a group, right? Those who system aims at nothing higher than formalism is far more a servant of the devil than a minister of God. Wow. The call on us to be carriers of his knowledge and his presence is so much greater than we understand. And the presence of God in your life, it supersedes all credentials, again. And again, the, the Bible college, the seminary, that stuff, it, it accelerates, it adds more capacity, it gives you more gears in the tank, all that stuff. But the presence of God supersedes all credentials. We see in Acts chapter 4, Peter, right? He, if you guys remember the story, like he healed this guy and he gets called before all the rulers. And they give him like the biggest backhanded compliment ever. And like, we know that this man is unschooled, read stupid, but we can tell he was with Jesus and they had no words. They had no response. And some of us were like, we are unschooled, but dang it, we were with Jesus. And that's where the power is. 
Paul, even in his grand ability to expound upon every scripture, we get the majority of the New Testament from him. He says this, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed you the testimony of God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstrations of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Your life, your, your story is all the power of God that you need. What God has done in you, that is what you need to share. Start there if you have nothing else. No, everyone can refute maybe like some question in the Bible. Everyone can like have a different point of view, but no one will argue what God did in your life. Start there. Number three, light givers help God's people remember that the Bible is a voice to be heard, not a book to be read. Light givers, they help people remember that the Bible is a voice to be heard, not just a book to be read. Interpreting scripture is both an art and a science. Beyond understanding what the text says, that we, we are charged with understanding what is God's voice for the scripture. What is God saying through this? The Bible says that the scriptures are unsearchable. Why? It's because all of us, we can read the same exact verse and we can receive all sorts of different things that God is speaking to us about. It's amazing. There, it's, it's not an encyclopedia, it's not facts. It's God's spirit, his voice put into text, made for us, fit for our soul, ready for our eyes, and our, our, our entire existence has ears to say, God, when I read this, you are going to speak through it. We don't read the Bible to accumulate knowledge, we read it to encounter the prodding and the desires and the intentions and the thoughts of Jesus. We read the, the scriptures, it should be a love letter. It should be, man, I love you so much. Every single thing should be just Jesus reaffirming who he is and what he has, what he's going to do in, in his plan. And his plan is so good. His plan is that we are in divine relationship with him, intimacy with him. And when we realize that the Bible is a voice, we, we stop reciting details and start sharing the heart and the voice and the intention of God. If we're in the business of sharing details about the Bible, we're going to bore a lot of people that they can already find on Wikipedia. Any, anybody can find anything, anywhere, right? You, you, can, you can put into Google, th think about when, just like where the world has come, right, for, for a moment, that you want to find anything in the Bible, and you have two clicks, you can find it. Isn't that amazing? So why are we spending so much time on, well, the Bible says this. Oh, really? Like, I couldn't Google that myself. Where the power comes is that this is the truth of God, and this is how it applies to you. This is how this is supposed to transform us. This is how it's supposed to transform our thinking. The whole Chick-fil-A stuff has got me so up. Like, I, it drives me nuts. Any, anybody else driving nuts? You're like, okay. You know, homosexuality, gay, marriage, all that stuff, great, fine. That verse that everybody's using to, to make a whole big hissy fit, it also talks about people who are idolaters and those who gossip and those who covet. And you're like, a biblical understanding of these issues would know that that exact verse goes through there and names us all. There's not one of us that's not named in there, amen? amen. But we, we cherry pick and then we distort, and then, then we protest, or then we patronize. You know, it's like, well, it's so foolish. And the, the next part of that text says, and so were many of you. 
And the right understanding of the text knows that we all blew it. We all deserved hell. We all deserved punishment. We, we deserved everything for us. We, not a single one of us has a shred of righteousness in us, right? Because Philippians 4 tells us, not having a righteousness of my own, I am found in Christ. That when God the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus wrapped. He doesn't even see our sin. This whole thing about where we've been and what we've done, it's not biblical. The Bible says that, that God has separated the sins as far as the east is from the west. And it says, for his own sake, remembers them no more. And so when God looks at our struggle, he looks at our sin, he looks at our temptation, looks at our vulnerabilities, he's like, I don't remember that. I see the righteousness of Christ clothed in you if you've taken on the righteousness of Christ. But we need to have understanding of the text because a whole lot of people are, are knowing, everybody knows the Bible says this about this particular sin. Whoop-de-doo. Why don't some of us say like, yeah, gossipers, slanders, those who covet, the drunkards, you know? Isn't us all talking about it like a form of gossip too, right? Anybody making these connections? And, and the, the responsibility for us is to hear God's voice through those scriptures and we can use that exact scripture and liberate people. Because a whole lot of people that maybe they're not on the, the you know, lightning bolt sin there, but you can't tell me that someone who covets and someone who is a chronic gossiper and all those things, that in their soul it's not as wretched for them as any other struggle that we have. It's all real. But in the process of this, our life story and what we do becomes interwoven in the scriptures. Have you ever read something and it's like your exact life, your exact position of where like, man, this, this verse, I'm going to mark this because I'm going to come back to this someday. And when I was starting my business, I, I was in college. I, you know, was playing Mario Kart like 80 hours a day and running my business. And I'd put Mario Kart on mute, answer the phone and keep on playing. And, um, and I was getting married and, you know, I needed to provide income and all these things. And I'm like, man, like, what do I do? Do I get a job? Do I, where, where do I go? I remember reading Joshua 1.8. It says, anywhere you step your foot, I will give you the ground. And for that moment, I was like, whoa, man, if, if, if God is the God of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and all those other cool peoples with Hebrew names, he's certainly the God of me, right? And Julie, I really believe that sometimes we encounter the scripture and we say, God, you're with me everywhere I go. Everywhere I place my foot, you will give me that ground. I'm not going to wait for you to have the purchase of it sealed, signed, and delivered before I move. We need to be people who advance in faith. Number four is light givers rescue the truth from distortion. Light givers rescue the truth from distortion. I kind of was referencing that with the tough passages in 1 Corinthians and well-intended people, <clears throat> well-intended people who love God, they love righteousness, they want to see people come to God, but they can make grave mistakes by distorting the truth and actually distance people from God. It's important that not a single one of us ever cherry-pick scripture. Because you, you, can, you can make any point you want by cherry-picking a handful of scriptures. Entire cults are developed by that entire process. It's amazing. We can justify anything if we cherry pick. And so the light giver helps redeem the text. Our role is to be people who we, we know truth, we know what Jesus thinks, we know what he says, we know his heart, and we redeem the truth and we redeem the provision, uh, perversions and distortions out there of the text. 
because a lot of people, even Jesus encountered this. Remember all the Pharisees? Like they were pickpocketing scripture for their own agenda. They were using scripture to try and get the case that they should stone the woman who was caught in adultery. And Jesus, he turns it all on their heads. And he rescued the text from the most religious people of his day. Isn't that our role? Like we're, we look at ourselves as like everyday people and yet the mandate, the example from Jesus is to rescue the text from those who have been entrusted with it the most. You gotta remember that the religious leaders, they crucified Jesus. The people who knew all the prophecies and had the whole entire Bible memorized, they were the ones who put Jesus on the cross. Man, they missed it. And, and we have the opportunity to help redeem that. And sometimes we can find text and we can make it say whatever we want it to say. Do you, do you guys know that feeling? And my, my favorite one is, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, we have it on bracelets. We have it on our mirrors. We have it everywhere. For I know the plans I have for you. And, and if there was like one damaging text that I could say that it's, it's allowed people to kind of sit back and do nothing, it's actually that text. That, well, God's got a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> Right? It's funny because it's true. Because you all have been there. You know you need to go to that job app. You know you need to put that application in. You, you know you need to confront it. You're like, well, God's got a plan. And it is to get off your butt and to go do something about it. But that verse, it says, I know the plans I have for you. Right? You all just can like, say with me, you know, plans for us, for not to harm. And he's like, and when you seek me, this is the plan. And when you seek me, you will find me. That's the plan. You're like, bummer. Not that car. Gosh, dang it. The plan was for me to have that car I wanted. No, the plan is that when you seek God, you'll, you'll find him. That's the plan. You'll be prosperous. You'll be the most prosperous person in the world when you seek God because he guarantees you'll find him. If we're not encountering God, we need to ask ourselves, man, are we believing a lie about our current condition? Because when it says, when you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. It's a promise. That's truth. But sometimes the, the Bible is like a scalpel, right? It can save your life at the right time, and it can kill your life with the wrong move. The Bible is the same way. We need to use it carefully and intentionally. Finally, <clears throat> like givers, help God's people embody the scripture. Like givers, help God's people embody the scripture. It says Jesus was the word and the word became what? Flesh. Where's Jesus right now? In us, right? Jesus became flesh. Jesus rose to the Father. He sent his presence in us. says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in us. And so and when it says that we are being transformed into his likeness, his likeness is the word. As we be transformed by the text, we get transformed into the likeness of the word. And so we should be in a posture of growth where we can, if every Bible somehow in the world went away, we should have the stories of the Bible, we should have the truth of the Bible living as our being. Like we are the word. We are the flesh that became word because of Jesus in us, right? That we don't need to be necessarily handing out Bibles. Like the most important thing you can do is be the Bible to somebody in the flesh. Because when they see how you love, 
They experience what you've done. Last week, I shared the story about that family. I took them about 150 note cards with verses and amazing things. I gave them the father and he just wept. And um, you guys are the Bible in living form for him and for his family. And man, it's, it's so much more powerful when we are the Bible. It's so much better. And then when, when they take that, they experience that, and then they open up the Bible and they read about loving those who you don't know, serving those, restoring the brokenhearted, they think of your names. Because we've lived, we've allowed ourselves to be transformed by the word, to be the word for those who need the word. You are everything the Bible contains and more because you have Jesus in you. By definition, as you are journeying with Jesus, that your life becomes a light. Your life, if you have Jesus in you and you are being transformed by him, you are pursuing him, you are are meditating, you're being transformed by his word, you are light. You are light that needs to be out of here and somewhere where it's dark. You know, if, if we have a holy huddle here where all of us come in here and we all pop up our little lights, you know, and we blow them out like leaving the door like we've totally failed, like we are meant. We're not meant to come here and be fed. We're come here to be equipped, totally different. We're supposed to be fed by the word on our own time. We come here to be equipped so that we can go out and impact but we take that out. And when you know that every area of your life is victory, every area of your life is victory, and every victory needs to be told, we all become light givers, some on very different scales. Every single thing you've overcome, or every victory, I don't care if it's five seconds ago, it's a story worth to be told. It's a light to be shared, and that's our role. So how do you know, maybe if you're a light giver, Here's a couple keys, and again, next week, we're going to tie all these together and, and help us kind of understand and identify them a lot easier. But here's a few just in the light giver that if you have a desire for deeper understanding, learning, and revelation. I hated school. Anybody hate school? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I read this like, that's not me, you know? But now, like, revelation, revelation is totally different than studying. That's way different. I'm able to explain complex ideas in ways that people can understand. If you're able to like kind of summarize things, you can like take something that's kind of confusing like, here's the bottom line. If you're like someone who's like, here's the bottom line, maybe you're like ever. If I find something in the Bible I don't understand, I'll research it or Google it, right? Not too hard. I talk, text, or email people about my growth and the growth of others. I feel I can give specific direction, application, instruction to truths. That's, that's knowing that when the Bible says, I will not be mastered by anything, and maybe you're addicted to smoking, and you're like, wow, so the Bible promises I will not be mastered by anything, so here are a few ways that we can break this. Might be like giver. I believe people should be continually learning and growing in knowledge, your opinion. The opportunity to speak in front of others excites me, not always. For those who've been called to pulpit ministry, that's you. 
But let me, let me take that one back a little bit. That the opportunity to share what you just learned with one person excites you. Do you have a hunger to understand more? And do you feel frustrated that other people don't know what you just found out? If you've answered yes to any of those, maybe Jesus is calling you into new calling. Maybe you're like, I answered zero on all of those. No problem. There's four other roles that God is. But you know, I, my wife openly says like, I promised myself I would never marry somebody that's going to be in the military or to be a pastor. <laughs> and so she kind of feels like, wow, this is kind of weird now, you know? I never in a million years thought I would be with you guys. I still don't like look at myself as like a passionate. I'm just like, I love Jesus. I love his presence. And all I want to do is share. If you can get over like the whole label, the title, the responsibility, the expectations, the, the stigmas and things like that, and you just get over that and just like, man, I love Jesus. I love what he's doing in my life. And I just want other people to kind of come along for it. Man, don't get hung up on a pastor or a title or anything like that. Let's all stand. Jesus, we thank you, God, for this place, for your revelation, and God, just for your goodness that you are equipping so many people here. Lord, it's so exciting to see people coming into fullness. Lord, I just I look around here and I, I see God, your saints preparing for greatness to change lives, Lord, even if it's just their lives and their workplace at home. But Lord, I believe that we are world changers here. So God, we ask that you would help us as we wrap this up to come into agreement with who you've already made us gifted to be. It'd be so much easier to deny I'm not one of those. I don't have any of those gifts. It'd be so much easier than that than to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Reveal to me my place. As we turn into a place of ministry here now, Jesus, we just welcome you. Have your way with us. Amen.